Dice, dragons, demons, and a dwarf in the Warhammer worlds. Don't miss our live show on Thursdays, but for now, you've got us on sloppy seconds with our podcast with the Grimdark Gang. It's time once again for Grimdark Live. Hey, welcome to Grimdark Live, weekly webcast for all things Dice Dragons, Demons, and a Dwarf from the Warhammer Worlds. I'm your host, Patrick, and as always, I got Chuck and Justin with me. Fellas, what do you hear? What do you say? It's another day, man. Let's, we're going to have a good show here, so let's get going. Yeah, yeah. Chuck, what do you think, man? You happy to be back? I'm so happy to be back. I need the show. I need to find my hobby mojo. I need you guys to inspire me. I'm, I'm, unfortunately, I am taking like a hobby dip right now, and I need to find that inspiration to... Uh, get models painted, assembled, and on the table. Well, Chuck, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you right now that we are going to be your inspiration, your motivation. We're going to be all that stuff for you, man. We are going to do that for you. And as far as Mojo, man, I'm going to tell you right now. As far as Grimdark Live goes, if you don't know Mo, you're going to be no Mo, man, because we are Mo Fugga. We are the Mo Fuggas of all shows, man. That's us, right, guys? Yep. And Chuck, I'm on the train. Let's go. You should jump in on the next on this month's com- competition I've got coming up. What do you got, man? I got a, I'm going to do a competition in May that is a single-up painting competition where the, the idea is one model, your choice, and the whole thing is monochrome red. No other color can be used except for shades of red. Wow. And we're going to post it up on the Discord and all that information and see how everybody can do. And the winner of the competition, which will be chosen by me, Chuck, and uh, Mr. Patrick over here, is going to win a $20 gift card out of my pocket. Wow. So, so uh, I'd like to see everybody post their RAWs up onto this court. I'll post the Discord in the chat at some point today. And then uh, get those models posted and get them painted. you got a month, so let's do it. Okay, well, here's, here's what we're going to do, just because I want to make sure that everybody got this. So we're going to throw this out there one more time. All right, so so I want you to throw this out there. And what we're what we're following up here on, folks, was uh, was the mojo that uh, that that we had to, uh, to to bring up here for Chuck. He needs some motivation, and we're going to give him a little bit of that, man. So let's 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 talk about the, throw that out there, Justin, one more time, so everybody listening knows what you got in store. Okay, so I want to run competitions directly for you guys to get involved with with some form of prize. This month's coming up, starting May first. You choose one model of your choice. You can own the model already, or you can go buy it. I don't care. But the only stipulation is that the model has to be posted in the raw, basically no paint on it, to the Discord so that we can see what model it is you're going to be doing to the competition. And then the rule on it is it's a one-color paint, only shades of red. So you can take base red, mix it with black and white to get your darker reds, your darker pinks, things of that matter. You can use coppers. You can use anything that has a shade of red in it, but nothing else. If there's any other kinds of color on that that are not a shade of red, the model is disqualified. I like it, whoever, man. I like it. And whoever, and whoever wins the competition, which will be judged at on the 31st of May, the end of the month, will be me, Chuck, and Pat, Mr. Pat here will be the judges. All right. Whoever wins will receive a $20 gift card. All right. I want you to know, folks, that my vote counts twice, and I get half of that $20. 
We're in this together, <laughs> folks. <laughs> so, no, actually, will, that, that's that sounds pretty awesome, will, Justin. Very cool. Yeah, and I will post the Discord up in chat here in a little bit so that everybody can join the Discord if you choose to, and you can join the competition. We, you know what, guys? I'm telling you right now, folks, for everybody out there listening, you got to jump on that Discord. we got a pretty cool one, and I, I, I'm, I'm being a little biased here, but i got to tell you, our fans and the Grimdark Goon Gaming Group and all the folks that are in it are just awesome people. But speaking of awesome people, I'll tell you what, man, I want to throw a shout-out to all the awesome people we got piling on the chat. we got someone, we got a new person. we got Roaming Hipster 44 Sup, man. I'm really glad you're with us. You know, that's how come, again, they have all the cool nicknames, guys. Why don't we have cool nicknames? I like... I think I'm going to change my cool nickname to Mo Fugga. That's what I'm going to do. I'm doing Mo, that. Mo, Mo, Mo Fugga. That's you it, go. man. You know, but uh, all those cool nicknames. But, you know, guys, uh, we do. We got a great show ahead of us tonight. We're going to get rolling with it. And uh, and for everyone out there listening and for everyone just jumping out right now, hello and thanks for joining us here tonight on Grimdark Live. And and if you like our show, please don't forget to give, to give our channel a like or subscribe if you haven't already done so. And if you've already done so, you rock, man. We love you. Um, and our show tonight is actually going to be something that is to die for. A uh, little night haunt joke there, folks. So, <laughs> ta-da, see, I'm here all night, folks. Tip the veal, try the waitresses. <laughs> all right, so, uh, gang, let's face it. I mean, we're going to be talking about night haunt here in a little bit, and I think the, I think the night haunt as an army are struggling to, to succeed at the moment. And, and, and I think we're not really going to focus on that too much, but, I mean, I think they're suffering from uh, a lack of early battle tome and a, and a lack of support. Um, I think... In, in where the, the gyration of the entire, you know, army and meta and everything is currently with AOS 2.0 bleeding into AOS 2. Point, or 3.0 at some point in time. But I think they're suffering from a lack of early battle tone being one of the, I think they're the fourth or the fifth one that came out with 2.0. And uh, but but here on Grimdark Live, I, I think that uh, they have a lot to offer, and we're going to be talking about that. And I think you know, to all you new and old players out there for this army, you know, hopefully we're going to be able to shed some light and and really kind of see uh, where we can make this army a little bit better than they currently are standing or reflecting. Because there's a lot of goodness in this old army here, folks. I'm telling you, this Night Haunt, this is this is still a pretty damn good army. But I think they've fallen short, maybe for a lot of reasons. But you know, Chuck, Justin, and I, we're going to get into that and give you the the grim dark twist on this sucker, and and hopefully. They see more support in the future by GW, but tonight, Grimdark Live is going to give them some love and support, I'll tell you that much. Hey, and something else here, folks. Chuck, Justin, you ready for this? Here's something yeah. I want to throw out there to everybody. And as, as something special for all you folks out there watching the show uh, here live, and, and even for the folks who are going to be listening to our podcast later on Podbean, check us out there or go on our website, www.grimdarklive.com. Good stuff out there for our, for our podcast. But for you guys listening, at the end of the, tonight's show... We have a Monster Monday all set up for you guys to watch on Lady Orlinda. We had released this a little while back, and we've cleaned it up and kind of add some, added some new stuff to it. So at the end of the show, if you want to check out uh, the Matriarch of Grief, man, we've got a little Monster Monday uh, there for you. But, you know, guys, because we're a giving show, we got prize support, we got giveaway, of which 50% of that $20, remember, guys, got to go to me. Um, and we got, we got that, we got, we got a video at the end of the show today. We got, uh, you know, Chuck and Justin's, you know, good looks and good humor. And you know something else? We're going to give you guys a peek behind the curtain at the question of the day. And, and don't answer it now. Cause you know, you, you've all seen what, what Chuck and Justin can do to people if they answer it early, you know, you don't want to mess with their mojo. Remember, we're, we're trying to find motivation on the show tonight. <laughs> so nice. he, here's <laughs> We love you, Chuck. Here's the, here's the question of the day. Don't answer it now. Will Soul Blight, will Soul Blight Grave Lords be the end of the Legions of Nagash book? And if so, where does that place Nagash? 
All right, hold your answers for the question of the day that's going to be coming up later here on the show. But uh, but before we, we we get rolling, Chuck, what's up, man? What's up, Chuck? What do you got, dude? Anything? Are, are you no hobby at all? You, you really meant it when you said you're in a doldrum? You know, it's just, I, I, okay, so the, everybody goes through this, right? So some things that works uh, at work have changed, um, but schedules have kind of been altered, and it's like thrown me off. Uh, and, uh, you know, just between that and some other things that have been happening, we started volunteering for a dog shelter. Uh, I've kind of find a, found a little bit less hobby time. Um, so my models sit unpainted on my table, uh, and I want to paint, but I want to convert, but I, I just got to find that hobby mojo. So I need you. I need Justin. I need you guys to point me in the right direction. That's just kind of the, that's where it lies, man. We are, we are your Mo and Joe, ain't we, Justin? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. So what about you, Justin? Slumps, I mean, any, anything uh, on the hobby table for you? I mean, obviously, that was a, kind oh, of a dumb yeah. question. Oh, yeah, I'm finishing up my uh, my 90 Days of Dwarfs uh, uh, competition for myself. Which Such a short 90 part. days. Well, my, it was my it was my own personal goal to finish all my dwarves in 90 days. I still have about 150 or so to go, but I'm I'm halfway done in 12 days. So it's been a very, very fast turnaround on a lot of my dwarf models. And then behind me, I have a little bit of surprises that I'm working on for some new scenery stuff that we'll, we'll talk about a little bit later. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, 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 Chuck, you were saying you were saying earlier that um, uh, that that you were doing something with uh, a dog show or something like that. Is that what it was, or a dog shelter? Uh, not a, a dog shelter. Yeah. So we started uh, fostering dogs from a local shelter so that they don't have to be stuck in the local uh, county kennel. Um, I don't know if the, and this is to the extreme, I don't know if the dogs get pushed off into, you know, being put to sleep at a certain point, but we're sort of looking at uh, your senior dogs that are not puppies. Puppies get adopted really quick. And what we want to do is sort of provide, you know, those senior type dogs, like, you know, five, six years and older, a place to stay um, at least one or two at a time. So we're that's, sort of opening up our house to that. Yeah. I'll tell you what, that's great, man. I'll tell you what, maybe after the show, I'll tell you about my time in college when we used to go out to bars and do a little dog fighting. Six oh, Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. I'll say it again. Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios are the real terrain nerds you all need to be getting your terrain from. Get your commercial laser-cut MDF bases, silicone molds for resin prints, game and hobby accessories like 15 to 28 millimeter terrain, 15 to 28 millimeter figures, and 15 to 28 millimeter vehicles, and a lot more. Get your nerd on with Six Squared Studios. Check them out at sixsquaredstudios.ca. Again, that's sixsquaredstudios.ca. Six Squared Studios. Hey gang, today's news is brought to you by Six Squared Studios. Yep, an awesome company for all your gaming and hobby needs. Six Squared Studios. I'll say it again, Six Squared Studios. So get your nerd on with Six Squared Studios. Check them out at sixsquaredstudios.ca. Again, that's six-squaredstudios.ca. Six Squared Studios, where tabletop terrain is made by gamers for gamers. Just like their saying goes, Gaming accessories made by gamers for gamers. Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Tabletop terrain by expert nerds for exceptional nerds. 
All right, we got the news. We are back, and uh, we we got we got quite a bit. We're going to be getting into. As a matter of fact, we got three things. We're going to start right at the top here with, you guessed it, folks. We got the rumor engine. Now, now, guys, before I show the picture up here, does anybody want to want to any anticipation on what the uh, the rumor engine is going to be? Uh, I would say we're looking at the first glimpse of our blood knights for our death army. All right, you see, I, I'm kind of hoping that too, but you know, don't jinx it, man. You know the old thing: every time somebody talks about vampires, they roll yeah, it back. Yeah, we, re, we re, reset the damn clock. I know. I, I, I got to tell you, I'm thinking that this thing is probably something, maybe Chaos Marauders. I mean, Chuck, what do you think? I, you know, I know you're leaning towards Chaos Marauders, but I am still put crossing my fingers for some type of blood knight. Um, we know that the horse is not like a skeleton horse. Uh, we've seen pictures of mm-hmm. like a the blood knight helmet and lances, and I don't think it's that uh, knight king or the white knight or whatever it is that they released over on Saturday on uh, the release day. Um, I think we're actually looking at blood knights and a grave lord book. Honestly, yeah, I, I definitely interesting. Agree. Okay, I do. I I, I kind of like that idea. I mean, I, I you know, he, here's when I first saw it. And, and, and guys, I'm not knocking uh, uh, Lumineth here, but when I first saw it, the first thing that popped in my mind was obviously it's probably some kind of a you know a giraffe for the Lumineth third wave. You know, maybe you know, something like that. All right, that was a low blow, a little bit. Well, um, doesn't the horseshoe just kind of give it away though? Being yes, that, I mean, that, come on, that, that horseshoe uh, either. That horseshoe points to chaos, or it points to undead. I mean, well, it's it's it could be chaos. Evil. Yes, we could see some type of chaos thing. Right. I would, yeah. So, are you guys but, sure that it, it, there's no way that it could possibly be a draft beast with necks long enough to feed the sun waves from the from the zenith cavalry? So, no way it could be Lumineth, huh? No, I don't think so. Not with a battle scar like that, and, or yeah, the, not with that giant cut uh, its leg. No, uh, no, and, and, and okay, go ahead. I was going to say, like, that's a battle scar. So the Lumineth probably would have more of a pristine horse, like a Clydesdale, something that is like a, a track horse or race horse. So it would be sleek looking. This yeah. That looks like a muscular front joint. And those, the uh, pillar style, or not pillar style, but the pointed style pyramid, you know, uh, a hoof there, you know, I forget what it's called. But that the looks like horseshoes. Yeah. yeah, the horseshoe. The horseshoe so looks either death. Or chaos. Yeah, you know, it's funny because when I look at this thing, uh, you know, here's the thing. I, I don't want to rain anyone's parade, but the first thing I noticed on when I saw that was the scar, oh. that little X scar. Because, you know, my, my, my beloved ogres, my um, my Mornfang have scars like that all over their their uh, their legs, which obviously are maybe from swords or spears getting hacked at when they're charging in and, you yeah. know, killing a bunch of Lumineth. But um, uh, for me... I, you know, for some reason, this thing just doesn't scream Blood Knight to me. I mean, I, I'd love it to be Blood Knight. I mean, I know that uh, our, our beloved Steve, Iron Jaws, Rat Bastard out there, he absolutely is dying. If we do, if he doesn't get his vampires, God knows what's going to happen to him. But uh, it just doesn't scream Blood Knights to me. I'd expect uh, any horse that they have, meaning the vampires, to be a little bit beefier, meaning more armor. Um, I, I just don't think that they have uh, the, the, the amount of armor that you'd expect a Blood Knight. When I look at that leg, I see a lot of... I see a lot of skin. I don't. I don't see that. So that's one of my my first thing that came to mind oh. was possibly, you know, something Marauder Chaos, something like that. Hey, we we could always you know fan your fanboy a little bit here and say that that's the new Centigor. It, well, the paws are different though. Well, the hoof, the hoof's not a. It's hoof's not or, a paw. Or, or what do they call it? The, the <laughs> you know what I mean? The the Centigor. Centa, Centa, the camel toe. Yeah. No. No, no, no. You're you're dudes that are half beast, half horse. Yeah, yeah, Centigors, right. Yeah. Yeah. But, but they don't have like they don't have a hoof. They have like a paw. 
Do they have a paw? I thought they were. They looked like they had horse bottoms. Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like a paw. And you know something? Let me let me let me pull the show over right here because Iron Jaws. You know, Iron Jaws rat bastard right here. I got a Nobbler Cavalry. Now there's a man of taste and class and vision. <laughs> and I want I want to throw that out there that I think that man. Oh right my there, gosh. Folks, I, I really think I need you guys all out there listening to pay attention to Iron Jaws because that man knows a thing or two about a thing or two. Let me tell you if I had to tell you twice. All right, moving on. Here we go. So, yeah, I don't know, gang. I don't know that that really looks like uh, – I really hope – all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end it here. I hope that that is some type of vampiric horse something or other uh, or ponies. Maybe it's nobbler ponies. See, now my, my co-host here is kicking me in the shin, which is fine because he's – Nobblers. That's all good too. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, no, but I think that. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm not sold on it. I'd love it to be, but I'm trying to think with my brain rather than my heart on this one because uh, I want it to be vampires. I just don't think that that's that's the case. Yeah, it's too broad of a picture to really put a direct post on at this point. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. But any any last guesses before we move on to the next part of the news? Nah. All right, nope. rolling on. I got something int- interesting I wanted to throw out there to everybody in the news, and that's Illumineth Realm Lords. And again, not one of my crazy insults because I think I'm, I'm gaining more and more respect for the army as time goes on. But we all know that the Illumineth range is, is really growing, and, and a lot, you know, over the past couple of months, we've we've seen and heard a lot of rumors. And of course, this past Saturday, we saw a reveal of this particular model here with this banner, uh, and we know that Tyrion, for the most part, is still missing. But if you mm-hmm. look at the new Lumineth Realm Lord uh, banner that I have up here that was revealed on Saturday, it gives you some hints that maybe our old uh, Tyrion is right around the corner. And and let me show you a close-up here if I can if I can show you this, because I think that this is going to hopefully answer a lot of things. Now, in looking at this and discussing this, if you, if you look at the banner, now on, on the techless side, you can see, I don't know if you guys can see it at home, but if you can't uh, go on to Warhammer Community, you can check this out. Uh, you can see the moon sphinx on the left side and the sun side, which is Tyrion, uh, or maybe a phoenix or a dragon or something like that there on the right, which which tells me that, that coming down the pike, maybe in another book or maybe in, in an expansion of the current Lumineth Realm Lords book or something, we are going to be seeing, you know, the, the blind big brother coming around, which I am really excited for because, after all, at the end of the day, I played a lot of high elves. And the idea that we could be getting our High Elves back on dragons again, where they rightfully belong. First thing I noticed with this current Lumineth army, where the hell are the dragons? And mm-hmm. so this gives me hope. And I got to tell you, I, 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 it was the first thing I saw. I kind of stood back and I said, aha, there's something good coming. Like to me, this is kind of like the salad before the dinner. You know, salad isn't food. It's just a promissory note that something good is about to happen. And that's kind of what's happening here with this banner. It's like a promissory note that the main course is on the way. Fellas, what do you think? Well, that banner brought up another question in my mind besides what you pointed out, Pat, is why is the Lumineth getting a battle standard bear? Oh, wouldn't could you imagine getting bruisers back and all the awesome battle standard bears? Are are we going to see an introduction of BSBs and battle standard bears in 3.0? Oh, what, you, why not? I I, yeah. I think yeah, I, I think why because Chuck? Why, what do you think? Why why would we get that back? Uh, well, they have to add aesthetics from previous editions in order to reinvigorate the current meta. Yep, yep, very well, very. You why not? Very- there you go. So, yeah, if you get a BSB limited edition model, well, maybe in the next release they do with the General's Compendium, 
every faction gets a BSB with stats and uh, limited releases thereafter for two or three months, and boom, they got 12 more models that are $40 a piece sold for each of the factions. Well, that's very true. that's very true and they you know it might be pretty cool models like this is pretty cool i yeah i like it it just made it just made me think is is, are we getting bsb rules back in some way or form well if you think about it this way justin and chuck think about this we're already we already have unit strength to a certain point right i mean think about it you know ogres are worth two points a model you know look at gargants you know i i think i think unit strength is something that's coming back and and rightfully so i don't think it should ever have been uh, ever left and for for you youngsters out there for you tadpoles out there that that are that are now in the hobby that's something that was back in the rank and flank days um you know where where we had unit strength and um and I really, I really think that coming back to the hobby, if if that's the case, you know, we're all speculating here, but looking yeah. at what potentially is a as a, a battle standard bearer, um, boy, that's oh man, so, that's going to be great. Oh yeah. So I mean, here's something that they could put as a, a release throughout the summer would be these totems or BSBs released in either a limited release book and the, uh, you know, whatever magazine we have over the summer which may be called something special um but like they have called out on our chat here in youtube cobalt mm-hmm. and iron jaws have said you know what if we have some type of campaign book where we get special rules i want to point out that these already exist to a certain point with stormcast stormcast have totem bearers that have special abilities which have really taken the game by storm Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean, that's right. uh, yeah, but I'm storm. But that's a really hey. How come? How come everyone else got your joke? But when I made a joke about Justin's dwarves being, you know, a, a, a short, you know, hobby experience, no one ever laughed. All right, go on. I'm moving on. Um, you know, Chuck, that's a great point. And you know, I guess the Stormcasts already do have that. And you know, to see that come back, and I, I would like to see it happen. And maybe that'll be something that they introduce with Age of Sigmar 3.0 with the new rule book and all that kind of good stuff. Oh, I, I yeah, really love that. Definitely. Um, so, so this kind of gives me hope and, and I got to tell you, I turned a corner. I really did. And, and I've been slowly gaining respect for the Lumineth Realm Lords as time goes on. And I'm, I turned a corner with these guys. Uh, I really mm-hmm. did folks. I, I, I really did. And I'm very excited to see what, uh, what, what is in store for them. But let's, let's move on to what I like to say in my, in my humble, you know, way of saying it. Um, the biggest freaking piece of news we have, man, you guys ready? We got armed forces day four. Uh, we are ready. We are rocking and rolling. We are taking uh, 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 tournament people that are, that are signing up, and we're ready to play, man. And Armed Forces Day, just like the, the previous Armed Forces tournaments, uh, is going to be um, Armed Forces Day 2021, Armed Forces Day 4. It's going to be a two-day Age of Sigmar event where each player is going to bring the 2,000-point army comprised from the most recent General's Handbook and AOS rule set. This event will be a 1v1 five-game two-day tournament to support our active-duty troops. And, uh, yeah, guys, this is it, man. This is our fourth year of this awesome championship tournament and um uh i'll tell you what here's what's interesting a one-time guest on our show john john anderson who, who was on our show a, a few a few shows back um he's going to be playing to defend his championship from last year he he won that sucker with uh with his Ideneth deepkin and uh he is going to be back for that one so gang what do you think man you, you hyped you ready yes don't don't oh, everyone yeah, speak definitely. at once no this is um, <laughs> 
This uh, this is this is exciting, and this, this one means this yeah. tournament means a lot to me for what we do. Not only do we do do we do we support our active duty troops, we also support the Montford Point Marines, uh, and there's going to be more to that uh, on our website on GrimdarkLive.com, and also uh, on the uh, the the Armed Forces Day uh, Facebook page, uh, where mm-hmm. it's a it's a, an additional in game in tournament support for the Montford Point Marines. They're the um, the second oldest African American Marine Corps chapter uh, in the country, and they're right here in Chicago, and uh, they. Uh, they, they deserve our support. So we're definitely going to be supporting them as well as our active duty troops with the USO. But something cool that we added into the tournament this year, gang, is we are going to be doing the Anvil of Apotheosis. So, oh. yeah, our, our, every yeah. single one of the players in this year's Age of Sigmar tournament is going to be able to have one uh, essentially a champion level or a 200 or, or a or 20 uh, power level uh, or destiny point level, I'm sorry, uh, uh, character that they can have in addition to their 2,000 point um, army that they're going to be playing. So last year, you know, I know that we did uh, Beast Grave or Underworlds. We allowed a free unit to that. And, and this year we're doing the Anvil of Apotheosis. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with um, with that. But I will tell you this. I will tell you this right now. Um, as far as Armed Forces Day goes and, and uh, Anvil of Apotheosis. So a good question that came up that I want to answer, because our, our, our reigning champion, John Anderson, did ask this question about, about uh, Anvil of Apotheosis bases, and I want to make sure that we, we clarify this. Oh, It is a narrative. Uh, the, the Anvil of Apotheosis, first and foremost, even though it is part of match play, is still a narrative feature, first and foremost. And mm-hmm. stuff like base sizes and all that kind of stuff relatively don't matter. You know, that's kind of what GW's been saying for years until they came out with a base chart. But, I mean, if you look at it this way, uh, I would say in most cases you can abbreviate from uh, the other heroes in your faction. You know, usually heroes on foot you know, use the same base size. I mean, think about it this way. Stormcast Eternals always have, you know, the 40-millimeter bases for their heroes. Right, Chuck? 40-millimeter? 40, 40 so, yes. uh, but the good, but the good part about it is, you know, put your hero on a base, and you know what? We're just going to use the, the the range rules, and if all if all else fails, I mean, if if you can hit somebody from your base size, they can hit you at your base size. So there there you have it. I mean, um, and I think we're just going to have fun with it, and I think it'll be a, a neat piece uh, for Armed Forces Day Four that's happening June fifth and sixth. So uh, you guys want to check that out? You can head head over to the um, GrimDarkLive.com. Or you can head over to the Armed Forces Day Facebook page and check it out. More information for that. So, folks, what do you think, man? You ready for this? Yes, sir. Definitely. I think think it'll be awesome. And we're going to – what point size hero are you thinking about? 20. Yeah, so what what we're going to be doing – Yep, if you you look in the uh, – the, the, the General's Handbook 2020, folks, and you go to page 56, yeah. the Anvil of Apotheosis, the first step is choosing your destiny point limit. And we are, mm-hmm. uh, uh, we are making sure that everybody is, is going with the champion limit or the 20 destiny points. And, of course, that, in other words, that's a 200-point champion because you're going to multiply that by 10. But that's going to be the other side par uh, the, or the side unit that you can have with your 2,000-point. It's, it's in addition to your 2,000-point army. You can have that free character to go with that army. So... Good, uh, good stuff there. What do you think, guys? Anything else in the news, or, or is that a is that a good way to end the news? No, that's a great way to end. The that's news. a great way to end the news. Yes. All right, man. We are going to be right back with Night Haunt. Boo. A public service announcement brought to you by Frag Factory 3D Printing. Many of us have thousands of dollars in miniatures, yet we play on flat tables with books and overturned Tupperware to act as our fantasy and sci-fi landscapes. 
We've all drooled over the tables we see in magazines lush with beautifully created terrain from all genres. The crew at Frag Factory 3D Printing want to wipe that drool from your chin and put it firmly on your friends and fellow gamers when they see your setup. Alien landscapes, desert wastelands, futuristic cities, fantasy outposts, elven forests, demonic stronghold, and so much more. Find out what you've been missing by checking us out on Facebook at Frag Factory 3D Printing or send us an email at fragfactory3dprinting at gmail.com. Bring your own files or we will help you find what you've been searching for. Take your gaming to the next level with Frag Factory 3D Printing. We print life into your games. Tell them Grimdark Live sent you and your first hour of printing is free. Hey gang, in all seriousness, get your terrain on the table and get it with Frag Factory 3D Printing. And remember, tell them Grimdark Live sent you and they'll give you one hour free. You can get them via email at fragfactory3dprinting at gmail.com or their Facebook page, Frag Factory 3D Printing. Frag Factory 3D Printing. Printing life into your games. Now, back to the show. As I said in the top of the show, we are going to be talking about Night Haunt here and um, how... uh, uh, how the army is going to currently sit in the meta and 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 where we plan to bring it so folks let's kind of rewind the clock here a little bit uh, chuck justin let's kind of talk a little bit set the table for all of our awesome listeners and and kind of talk about this this great army in my opinion i, I love the army the aesthetics and and the lore so since debuting with the with the second edition starter set of soul wars the the night haunt are are now our main topic on on, on tonight's show and grimdark live uh by the way as, as, as i also said in the beginning of the show uh, did a great monster monday on later or linder that uh as an fyi remember is going to be at the end of the show uh, that we are going to just go ahead and play that for you it's about a about a 10, 12, maybe 15 minute, I can't remember now, long video, but it's pretty cool. We talk about the lore and tie some other cool little ghost story stuff in there. So you're going to want to check that out. Um, but Night Haunt, uh, were the original battle tome that debuted with the second edition of, of Age of Sigmar and was the book you had to use. Now, with the release of the Forbidden Power Endless Spell expansion, um, that expansion, I, I would have to say, guys, is probably largely forgotten, you know, save for the very important... Uh, you know, Legion of Grief, which which I think is what I, now everybody knows more for Night Haunt than they do the original uh, uh, Legions of Nagash that it was out with. And uh, the Legion of Grief is, is a weird mishmash, if anyone doesn't know what I'm talking about, of, of a kind of Legion of Nagash, but also uh, not, if you, if you want to put it that way. But in short, uh, Night Haunt are currently our topic and, and, and a better pick between the two, if you ask me. I mean, I think Legion of Nagash is probably on uh, their way out, hence our question of the day that's coming up later. But I also think that um, it, it's, I think it's a testament to Night Haunt that, they, that, that people, moreover, that I've come across as Night Haunt players, uh, view the Legion of Grief more with Night Haunt than they ever have with uh, Legions of Nagash. So, um, but you know, Chuck, Justin, I mean, Night Haunt have been through uh, really an interesting up and down uh, since their release. You know, they used to do reasonably well. Then I think faced with a, a decline, they haven't really recovered from that I have seen. Now, obviously, it's it's a tough thing to call because of COVID and other stuff. But uh, I believe the army does still suffer regardless of COVID. Um, I think really since since early 2019, the army suffered from being one of the older battle tomes. I think that was something, mm-hmm. uh, albeit now here's here's me talking about my beloved Nurgle too. Albeit Maggotkin uh, is the current second oldest book. You know it broods better than the Night Haunt in in present meta. Why we, we can get into that on another show, but 
as an army, Night Haunt is very hard for, I think, for them to make up the lost ground, having inferior army, army traits to newer books uh, and, a, and really a developed meta. And a lot of this is due to their army composition. Again, unlike Magatkin, who have seemed to have stood the test of time. But I mean, as the army stands right now, before we really get into the you know meat and potatoes of them, I mean, Justin, what would you have to say about the current the current state of Night Haunt? Uh, the models are great, but they do suffer from a lot of allegiance ability downfalls, um, and they're very reliant on their heroes. Well, they're, 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 they're all heroes, right? It, well, yeah, they're very reliant. They're, they're more of a hero, like we would say, like the last show about a hero hammer armies. Mm-hmm. They're, they're one of the last remaining hero hammer armies that are out there. And that's just, you know, everything relies on that hero. If that hero is not there, the unit falls. Yeah, that's so. uh, that. There's a lot of truth to that. Yeah, I, I would I would tend to agree to that uh, fully. I mean, Chuck, what do you think? But other than that, I mean, they're uh, the... go ahead, Justin. Sorry, finished up. I'm sorry. It's I said other other than that, the the lore, the history, the the aesthetic, just the overall appeal of the armies. That that's going to be on forever. They're they're a great army, and I love my night hunt. I, mm-hmm. I really do. Just I wish they had better rules. Yeah, and I think I think uh, before Chuck jumps in, I think they're a great army based on opinion and aesthetics, not really necessarily performance. But we're going to talk tonight about how to how to get them to that great level. I think we've got a couple ideas and some things maybe we can shed out on, on some folks. But Chuck, mm-hmm. what do you think, man? Current state of where you think they're I mean, at? You know, the current state of where they're at, I, I think they have some fragility to them. Uh, their heroes can be a moderately weak. They um, suffer from, like, average spells. There's not really one-hit wonders. Uh, they really don't dominate in some phases of the game. Um, and really, they have uh, shortcomings when it comes to tournaments. And I know we've had COVID here and there. Uh, but we really don't see them in the top rankings very often. So... Mm-hmm. You know, when you couple those things together, really, um, you know, if you are a, you know, master general and you can get your statistics down to a T uh, and you know where to hit, you know where to strike and you know who you're playing against, of course, that's problematic because there's so many armies that it is difficult for them to uh, face off against because they lack a lot of aspects that other armies do. It, it's challenging. I, I'm going to just go on the challenging part. Yeah, it's no, challenging that's... to play them in the current meta. That's that's a very good MBA word to use tonight. Challenging, and I and I like that. And and, and honestly, Chuck, yeah. I mean, I'd have to agree. But you know, folks, we're not here to focus on the negatives of Night Haunt, uh, other than to no. explain. Right. Yeah, no, and and you know, and I just want to get that out in the, in the out in the air. Other than to really explain where this army is presently, and 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 as I said here on tonight's show, we're going to be talking about what is good about the army, and and really how to make them better. So mm-hmm. let's start there. Let's kind of teeter off at that point right there. I mean, in, in order to make them better, we should first address what this army is already pretty darn good at. I, I think that's the best yeah. way, and, and really what a good foundation is from there. And the mm-hmm. first thing for me, guys, that comes to mind is the Night Haunt really have the right mix to be a great army, in my opinion. Just looking at, at what the army already has. Uh, we always say on the show, in order to do well in this game, you need units that, that can get to stuff, stand on stuff, and kill stuff. And this army can do all of that. And, and, and here's, here's what I mean when I say that. To start off with, they're a death army, all right? So uh, there, there, there is that summonable mechanic that they have. 
And in addition to summoning, they're already a horde army. So you can field large units, you know, your, your, your 10 bravery and cheap units, and you can swarm the board. Uh, that in itself goes a long way in, in, in a game that relies on objective points. So I, I think the foundation for this army is, is already there. I mean, any, any picks on that point, guys? What would you say about this army? Well, yeah, and they, they they have an advantage when it comes to seizing an objective, and it's one of their, their allegiance abilities they already have. It's called From the Underworlds They Come. Yep. It's it's keeping them off the table, and then, you know, starting at the end of your movement phase, turn one, turn two, turn three, whatever the, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the key phase you need, you bring on a 20-man unit of chain rasps, and you drop them on an objective mm-hmm. if there's nothing within range. So... Capturing objectives with large quantities of troops, yeah, they've got that real fast, and they've got it in spades. So, yeah. and and to capitalize on that, I mean, if we look at some of the other aspects of the army, they do have tar pit units mm-hmm. that can regenerate. Uh, in addition to that, we have flying, ethereal, and units that are immune to rend. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. Those are all good positives. Yeah, and I think I think coupled with what you guys just said, I mean, we talk about units and, and hoarding, and we talk about, you know, the, 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 the movement shenanigans as far as, you know, being able to fly over terrain, and then the ethereal, you know, hey, negative what? Who cares? Uh, but what about, what about some of the innate things like command traits? You know, speaking of summoning, and I want to kind of stick with that, and this is kind of sticking in my brain right now, but how about the, the ruler of the spirit hosts? Now, this one has always been one of my particular favorites because when, when you look at a, at a summoning mechanic, I mean, you can choose a unit with a summonable keyword within 12 inches of the general and restore D3 models. Again, right. this, is a, this is an awesome thing with spirit hosts. I mean, think about that. You're talking about staying on an objective, the staying power of that unit to stay there. This is really yes. something that they have uh in spades and you know here's the funny thing i want to throw out to you guys from a psychological standpoint from the opponent playing this type of an army where they can just keep coming back and they have movement shenanigans and all this kind of stuff you know when they say that 70 percent of this game is mental this army seems to be able to draw the opponent's mental facessitude away from them in such a way that uh makes the army really good and and i think a lot of people that have kind of given up on them right now have forgotten about that little thing you know, and, and, and Justin, I'm going to throw the ball back to you after I say this, uh, mm-hmm. but I think the Night Haunt are, are literally tough and durable. And let's just think about this here for a second. Many of your, your units, like take uh, um, the, 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 the Grimgast Reapers, right, or the Bladegeist Revenants, or, or even the, um, the, the, the Banshees, the, the um, Miramun uh, Banshees, the, those, those, that unit has negative two rend. And uh, they're all going to have access to rend, at least the ones I talked about. You know, they're at least negative one for the most part. Um, and you're going to be shredding your opponent to ribbons. So right. if you think about that, think about the command trait, think about the, 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 the hoarding of the, the table, the, the shenanigans that you have as far as ethereal. And from an artifact standpoint for a hero, what about headsman's judgment? You know, that's another thing that I think as far as building and putting combinations together, this is where you can pick a weapon for your hero and add one to hit and wound rolls. I mean, this is going to be great on a Lord Executioner or, heck, even that name character, one of my favorites, that, that uh, Rikenor the Grim uh, Hailer. I think, I think if people start looking at the army in a little bit more of a, of a deep dive and start kind of 
parsing out different things, it, it's not going to take you too damn long to figure out that this army is still as competitive and still as good as as any army. But you've got to be a little more clever. I mean, did that did that make sense, Justin? Or, or what do you have to say oh, to no, piggyback no. on that? It, it, it makes perfect sense because, like, I play the, the Lord Executioner with that particular artifact, and it it's like lopping corn. I mean, you're, you're just walking through units with them. Yeah. You know? But you have to look at some of the other abilities. You have you have characters in here that can literally teleport across the board, and then they can use the command ability Spectral Summons and bring an entire unit up. Yeah. So you you have you have I mean you, you put uh, I think it's Relicor can do, uh, what's his Rancor can do it the the big dude with the wings he can do it he pounces across the table all of a sudden he brings you know a unit of nine spirit hosts with him. yeah yeah you're, you're talking yeah. about Rikenor the the the, the Grim Hailer. Right. So yeah. now you've got you got him popping up on your rear line with a unit of nine to twelve spirit host that have, you know, six wounds per base or three wounds per base, something along that line. And then, you know, if you pull a pop, pull another hero across that has a command trait like the, the spirit of the host or something that can heal him back, or even healing him back in general, you've got a pretty big threat on on your rear line real fast. And this army is known for that. Yeah. They're, they're just they do it. The, the downgrade on it, though, and I do have to put this in there is because, you know, we're talking about the durability of them, is you have to keep your heroes within, wholly within a 12 of a unit or you don't get your deathless save. Well, yeah, and, and we're going to touch on that, too. We're going to touch on that, too, right. because there is a way, there's there's an end around in my thought that we can get to that. But, Chuck, what do you think, man? You know, I just want to, I want to, you know, take one step back and kind of capitalize on the Grim Guest Reapers. They are sort of an overperforming unit. Um Keep in mind that they have like an eight inch move, two inch reach, mm-hmm. uh, negative one rend. They provide well as a flanker for 160 points for a unit of 10. And they have a self uh, reroll ability that you don't even have to burn points to use if a unit is, I think, five models or bigger. Uh, so, you know, as far as that unit being uh, a good flanker and an attacking unit on its own, it's good. But, you know, we, we just don't want to forget about if you can replace the spirit host. Uh, an entire base at one time that that's going to be like a primary tar pit. I, I don't think we really oh, yeah. pointed that out. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know what? That's a really great point, Chuck. That, that's a, that's a fantastic point. And, and that's, and that's why we're talking about this army tonight because yeah. there's so much to this that I, I don't know that we're necessarily going to capture it all. But what, what I think what I'm trying to do is, I think we're all trying to do this here on Grimdark Live is to get you guys to understand that this army is a lot better then people are giving it credit for. But but like with anything, you know, if you're not changing, you're dying. You know, right, and, yeah. and I think that people need to look at this and, you know, you know, you, you got to dig a little bit deeper with this army, but it's there. And, and like well, you were saying, like, you're, hold on, let me just get this point out before I, before I lose my train of thought, because sorry, sorry. <laughs> like, like Chuck was saying before, um, with the units that can ignore modifiers to saves, you know, positive or negative, making, you know, high-rend, you know, uh, opposition really useless, let's talk about another command trait. Again, what I'm trying to get people to think is beyond the models. I think as gamers, sometimes we try to focus too much on the models, you know, and, and, and we want to be able to take it out of the box and win a, win a major tournament. But that, that's not always the case. So let's talk about a command trait, po- possibly one of my favorite in the entire book, and that's Cloaked in Shadow. And and honestly, this is probably the best command trait in the entire book. And this is where Night Haunt units are negative one to hit with ranged attacks. Now think about an army that has zero shooting. You got to get across that 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 table, 
right? But it's it's this will this will offer negative one to hit with range attacks, and it stacks with lookout sir. So I, I want everybody to process wow. that negative one to hit and re-rolling your sa- your 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 ones on your saves. I mean, you couple this command trait with the artifact, uh, uh, shrieking blade. That's why I wanted to get this out before I, I, I forgot, Justin. Uh, no, I you you get that you couple that uh, command trait with the artifact shrieking blade, where the bearer gets negative one to hit the uh, 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 negative one to hit the bear with with melee weapons. Now all of a sudden you have you have a unit that moves can clog up an objective is negative one to hit and shooting and once you get there you can't mow down the bear that's got all that you can build and stack this and and really do something with this army particularly with particular units and, and really control that board okay so justin sorry man i didn't mean to steamroll it but say what you're gonna say no 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 no, no, no. actually because what you were what you actually touched on i was i was kind of going that route and like I was saying with the general being the one guy that's got all these advantages and then doing spectral summons to bring across, you know, a unit to back him up, you know, you do the cloaked and shadows, you do the shrieking blades. Now he's minus one to hit from shooting minus one to hit from melee on top of being a character. So he's another minus one for lookout, sir, and all this thing. So you have all these stacking debuffs literally to, to hit him. And then you have him bouncing units with you that are getting bonuses for that hero being there. You know, so whatever hero it is you decided that you wanted to, to bounce, uh, prime example, like say the Knight of Shrouds on Steed, you, you bounce him across the table and, you know, now holy, units wholly within 18 inches of him at a plus one to their weapon, to their attacks characteristic with, you know, the guys that Chuck was talking about, the Grim Horse Reapers. So you got three attacks side bearing Reapers coming across at you with a general that's harder than hell to hit. Right. You know, and they all charge in at the same time and they just decimate a unit they hit as long you know and then they have bonuses for that if they make a 10 or more charge and and that's what we're talking about we're talking about the combination of not just the models but what you can put on them as far as command traits heroes artifacts chuck what say you man um you know this is where you really got to consider um the shooting meta that is currently in aos i mean look look at lumineth realm lords i think it's is it the wardens that that shoot sentinel sorry you know if they're dealing, this is why people are probably taking more of this moving forward because they deal the mortal wound. Uh, what on like a six or something like that, or five plus with the power of Hish. Right. So mm, if we yeah. if we have these abilities that deal normal damage at minus one run plus a, the potential mortal wound aspect, um, you need more of the negative one to hit in the Nighthawk army to counteract that. Even though it's still dealing mortal wounds, we need to at least avoid normal damage when it gets through. So it's very important to protect your characters. I guess that's like one of my points. Right. 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 And, you know, we've seen and one thing I want to touch on, I'm kind of I'm kind of rolling through and kind of backing up a little bit on on the points that you guys are making. One thing we've seen in the game that helps average armies do a lot better or maintains good armies to consistently do very, very well is speed. You know, they always say speed kills. And the yeah. mobility factor of this army, I think, is right up there with Slanesh or Beasts of Chaos. You know, both armies obviously being breakneck fast. And, you know, when you can when you can move fast and fly over terrain, uh, you know, uh, it coupled with, with what, what Justin said earlier, which is Spectral Summon, 
where you can pull a unit that's you know already on the field over to your general and place that unit within 12 inches of them or more than what is it nine inches from the enemy it, it, it's 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 good for that emergency relocation i would have to call or, or say it that way if if you want to capture a neglected objective or get them out of yes. a tough fight again a way to quickly have more mobility and i think that's what people are missing in this army they're not looking at the army from the finesse or the freestyle ability of this army so I think that's where you have to, as a gamer, you have to look beyond the models. And I know that's tough to do because War Scrolls and cool-looking models—they're kind of like they're kind of hip, you know—they they, kind of hypnotize you a little bit. But you actually have to read and and, and dig into it. But let, let me let me throw this at you guys here real quick because uh, the points you guys are making is kind of feeding into my banter here. But sticking with mobility, there are relics that enhance the the, the good about Night Haunt. And one thing I want to bring up and, and, and kind of look at it again, folks, what we're trying to do is, is tie things together that are beyond the models and the war scroll. But this relic that I want to talk about as far as mobility is the pendant of the fell wind, where you can add three inches to normal moves uh, of the bearer and all units, all units, not one, all units within 12 inches. Now, you put this into concept here. Three inches is 20 miles in this game. When you know, when you're talking about a uh, you know a typical tabletop, I mean that's a that's a big deal. And as you said, remember, yeah. like we talked about, I mean, you know, uh, you have to have units that have to get to stuff, and that's mm-hmm. what they do. And and night hunts already have uh, above average move, and three inches is, is no small increase. I mean, uh, you move into melee as quickly as possible, and this will get a huge swarm into place really fast. So. So, so this kind of falls back on the Grimgast Reapers that I had mentioned before. And, mm-hmm. and after I'm done with this point, I think Justin's probably going to jump on this. But So if you're adding three inches to the movement of any Night Haunt unit wholly within 12 inches of the character, just like you said, right. uh, it's perfect for you know an eight-inch move that the Grimgast Reapers already have. You couple that with potentially cogs, uh, and you're oh, looking at... Man. You're looking at, you know, plus five, plus six, you know, on their base movement and charging. Now, I'm not saying you're charging turn one, but it's a potential turn two, turn three issue for your opponent. You take a large unit of the Reapers and you buff them, they're good to go. They're 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 knocking out whatever unit that you need to throw them at. You're not kidding. You're, you're not kidding. Yeah. They're absolutely knocking out. And that, that's a great yeah. point. All right, Justin. Well, here. I mean, he, he mentioned COGS, which is where I was going as well. It, 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 seriously, it's just what it was, because, I mean, your average movement across most Night Haunts are six inches. So that yeah. that puts them to nines. COGS puts them to 11s. You've got the fast units, which are eights, which now they're sitting on 13. You've got their cavalry, right. which is sitting on 12s, which is 14 plus three. So you're at 17 inches with most of your cavalry under this situation. Oh, yeah. And then, if you actually look at the comes from below or the the from the, the underworld, basically, it doesn't say that it counts as a run. It's just their move, so they still can charge once they come out from below you. Uh, so that, with paired with cogs and possibly this three-inch bonus move, you're you're sitting at effective like forty-inch charge ranges and stupid scary stuff at that point. 
yeah. you know, you, you, you got some pretty hellish movement coming off these guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and like I said, man, speed kills. But now let's tie it all together. But let's tie it all together of what this army currently is right now on the tabletop. And, you know, when I look at battalions, when I look at what benefits and services I can get from having to pay for basically empty points, something that's going to bind it all together, the philosophy that I've always had, much in life, much less in this game, is a good offense requires a good defense. And I think one can find that. Uh, you know that that all coupled together with with command traits and artifacts, there are also battalions. And a favorite of mine in in this particular book is Shroudguard mm-hmm. from the Battle Tome. And Shroudguard is basically it's it's a it's a Knight of Shrouds, or I guess you can take uh, Riken or the Grimhaler, which I probably would in this case. Uh, two units of Blade Gas Revenants, and this turns the Deathless Spirits into a five plus instead of a six plus if within 12 inches of the Knight of Shrouds or, or Reikener. A really solid take mm-hmm. as, it, as it will vastly improve survivability. You know, after you've gone across a table like lightning speed, been able to defend yourself against shooting, you know, negative one and, and melee negative one and, and ethereal, um, it's a good way to kind of stick around. And, and another great battalion would be the, the, the Dolorious Guard, which came out of the White Dwarf December 2019. I love these White Dwarf battalions are coming out with, by the way. <laughs> They really are awesome, and this is just two to four units of hex wraiths, or two to six. I think I think it's two to four units of hex wraiths, but I believe, um, where you can add one to the attack characteristic for for melee weapons for units on the turn they charge. Now, mind you guys, we just talked about speed and getting across the table, so we could be charging turn one or turn two, so they're going to get that benefit, and they can absorb wounds and mortal wounds from the general if he's within three inches on a two plus. So. I mean, really good if if you want to focus on hex wraiths, I guess. But again, something else that uh, that that you can take to the bank on that one as far as as far as battalions, gang. What yeah, do you think? Right. Well, yeah, and I mean, I've got one that would work in there really well too on the defensive side, which is the executioner horde. That's actually oh, a I forgot very, about that one. Yeah, yeah, that's an extremely good defensive or point capping unit because it's one Lord Executioner and three units of Spirit Host. So you got minimum nine Spirit Host base or so sitting on the thing plus an Executioner that are holding an objective. They're not going anywhere. You know, especially with the right combinations of artifacts and everything else and them popping up from under the ground. Hey, there you go. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so. Yeah, and if you're not careful, there you will go. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, the Lord Executioner really does have a good damage output too from what I remember. Um, well, so, I so do the Spirit Host. So. Yeah, they have the mortal wound output, yes, and they can absorb some punishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, again, folks, I hope I hope kind of what you're absorbing here on the show and what we're talking about is really how to tie those units and those war scrolls together in an effective manner that that I think is going to help you regain that glory that this that this army had really about a year year and a half ago. Now, I I would say that 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 maybe a little longer ago, maybe maybe yeah, about a year and a half ago. And I think it's there. I just think again, you have to dig, you know. But but sticking with the uh, the defensive prius here, and and the only real endless spell in, in 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 my in my opinion out of the book that's worth a crap. You know, you brought up endless spells, uh, Chuck, and it, and, it, and it made me think about this. Is the um, uh, the the, the terminexus the um, uh, the mortalis terminexus? And it, it's got a casting value of six, which is pretty good, you know. Uh, it's a predatory endless spell, and, and it, it moves eight inches. But after moving, the model, uh, the controlling player chooses to reverse time, where he can heal D3 wounds for all units within six inches, or advance time, which is deal D3 wounds 
in six inches. So in Shaiish, for instance, the range has increased to 12, actually, you know, a decent utility uh, that could see use. Again, I think Nighthaunt are spectacular as a defensive army, if built the way that maybe even we're suggesting. Uh, but I think to be able to kind of offer either up further staying power, you know, you're bring, already bringing models back, now you're healing wounds, or you're, you're adding a little extra clobber in time to, to your opponent. Um, and, you know, and, and let me kind of say something here real quick. As far as the other two endless spells that are in the book, not trying to be negative here, but the, the, the other two endless spells... Uh, they aren't really worth the plastic that they're molded on, honestly. Uh, you know, uh, the Shaiish Reaper and the Vault of Souls. I, I would just, I would use those as, as kind of terrain decoration or something, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put those. So, folks, I mean, guys, what do you think? I mean, as far as another additive piece to kind of enable the army, as far as where they're at now. I mean, I like the Vault of Souls personally, uh, Pat. And I know you, you, what you're saying, but it the the disadvantage on it is it does take a long time for it to ramp up to actually do its ultimate damage but yeah. just having having a piece that you know is considered to be a predatory spell that flies around and every unit within six inches of it on a six plus takes a mortal wound and then you just keep track of that and once it hits 20 it explodes i mean it's it's kind of nice as long as it doesn't get to spell prematurely or something of that matter but i i see where you're coming from as it's it's not the choice of a three right right exactly chuck what are your thoughts, man? I think when you when you're playing Night Haunt, you have to consider some type of endless spell because the uh, spell access for the the general casters in the army, it, like we said before, about 15 minutes ago, is about average. So what you need to do is capitalize on what you can. The Mortalis allows you to heal and deal damage. That's mm-hmm. good. Uh, Cogs allows you to move and get into situations or charges that. Um, would allow you to eliminate enemy threats to you, such mm-hmm. as a shooting unit or a monster, or go kill their caster because it outperforms your own. Uh, and with a, I don't know, 30 to 40 inch charge, that can be pretty darn effective. So I, I think it's going to be like a utility box. And okay. if you take, if you take Mortalis, if you take Cogs, or if you have some other uh, endless spell that's going to, capitalize or improve the deficits that you have with your army in order to make it at least improve against a host of armies that's what you need to to be looking at mm-hmm. all right i like it man so 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 folks i hope that that helps you kind of give you an understanding of, of where the army is right now and i mean i think i think you just got to get into the book deep dive a little bit further into it and look for those combinations as we said that are kind of beyond the, the war scrolls and the models but you know something folks i want I, guys i want to throw this out here to you one of our listeners he, he picked up on my comment about the uh about you know three inches is twenty miles in this, and this is why you gotta love the, the grim dark goons, man. He, you know he he let me know he goes three inches is twenty miles. I'm using that one next time I take a girl out. That's a that's a great uh-huh. joke, man. Way to turn that one around. <laughs> yeah, that's the way to do yeah. it. Hey gang, I wanted to take a break in today's show to introduce one of our sponsors and a great store for all of your hobby needs. That's GameStorm Gaming in Lamont, Illinois. Open seven days a week, 12 to 12. GameStorm Gaming has got you covered for all of your hobby and gaming needs. They got Magic the Gathering, War Machine, X-Wing, Game of Thrones, Force of Will card game, PC gaming and repair, Warhammer 40K, and Age of Sigmar, and a ton more. Grab paints, brushes, cases, dice, 
and a lot more at GameStorm Gaming in Lamont, Illinois. Stop in and see John and the gang there at GameStorm Gaming, located at 1243 State Street, Lamont, Illinois, or check them out on their website at GameStormGaming.com. Again, that's www.GameStormGaming.com. They also stay open past midnight for special cases and events. So get over there and get your nerd on with GameStorm Gaming, 1243 State Street, Lamont, Illinois, 630-243-9330. Again, that's GameStorm Gaming, 1243 State Street, Lamont, Illinois. GameStorm Gaming is a proud sponsor of Grimdark Live. We hope to see you there. Hey, you Grimdark goons, thank you so much for joining us on the show. But hey, if you're new to the Grimdark Live experience, please don't forget to subscribe, follow, and like our show. This way you'll always know when it's time for Grimdark Live. And if you're a returning listener, thanks for being back. We love all you dice chucking, glue sniffing gamer goons. Also, please recommend us to your friends, as Grimdark Live is a great show to get your nerd on every week. And if you like some after-ear action, give our podcast a listen after the live show. The podcast is typically published a couple of days after the live show. The link to the podcast is in the show notes below. And if you're already listening to our podcast, you rock, man. And if that ain't enough for you, check out our website at www.grimdarklive.com. Again, that's grimdarklive.com. All right, now let's get back to the show. Night haunt. Here we go, man. We are back, and we're gonna uh, we're gonna keep wrapping up this army. But before we get really, really more deep into our topic here on this awesome army, Chuck, you had something you you, you want to get off your chest, man? Yeah. So you know, basically, when we're looking at night haunt, there's a couple of you know Vegas style tactics we can use, and it's one of those tools that I was talking about. Take it out of your toolbox if you can use it. Let's get it. It's called uh, Wave of Terror. So it's arguably um, a crucial ability sometimes when you're in the battle, um, and it can turn the tide when you're in a one of those pits that you need to get out of. And it's when you roll a 10 or higher on a natural roll uh, when you charge that you get to attack both in the uh, combat phase or first in the charge phase, then in the combat phase. And uh, if you have any ability to um, up your combat, reroll ones, reroll failed to hits. Um, it that can be crucial when turning the tide of war, turning the tide of battle, even. Right. That's, you yeah. just want you want to make sure you capitalize wave of terror by having a hero there that allows you to either use a command point or something to reroll that charge distance if necessary yes. to give you that extra shot. Plus, also giving you bonuses to hit so that that if you do hit that unmod five ten, you are doing the major damage before you go into your second pile-in slash combat shot. Right, and so think about it on a 10 or higher with 2d6, you've got about a 16 to 17% chance of getting a 10 or higher. You throw a command point, it's another 1-6 try. So right. that it is definitely something where if you throw the reroll at it. Okay. That's a great point, Chuck. I'm glad you actually brought that up, man. I, I, I completely, I think we, I think we definitely blew past that, man. I'm glad you put a hook in that one and addressed it. That was good. But here's my hook. You ready for this one? So go. Here's here's where I want to start as far as you know, uh, getting this army back into the championship levels again, which I definitely believe it can be. I mean, starting with with the units and really looking at it from that standpoint is really the grim gas. 
I really think the the, the very yeah. best part of Night Haunt uh, had really been clear since day one. Uh, with with the absolute staple unit, you know, I would have to say leading uh, to some incredible, potent, highly competitive, you know, uh, lists. Even going all the way back to say Legions of Nagash uh, for a little while, the the, the Grim Ghasts were are, are surprisingly killy, uh, powerful, durable. Um, in the right lists. And I think that should be a focus point for somebody that's going to be building tournament or whether you want to call it meta uh, type lists. Um, I think with a, with a four plus ethereal save, you know, the, the, the grim gas are frustrating unit to chew through, uh, but a capable player will always be fielding these alongside, you know, some type of a hero or an army mechanic as we talked about earlier in the show. Uh, which return lost models. You know, you get that mechanic where you can bring D3 models back or something to that effect. You're you're going to, as I said before, you're going to be taking that mental prius away from your opponent very quickly. Uh, in this kind of a combination, which makes them incredibly well-priced, also, I want to say. So the value of that unit as far as, you know, point-to-point, as far as what they're going to be getting, what you're going to be getting for that unit on the tabletop is also... Uh, really good. So, I mean, as we describe often here on the show, how receptive a unit is to buffs, right, often adds value far in excess of their war scroll. So that's why you always hear us talk about, you know, try to separate your, you know, your, your thought of the unit from the war scroll for, for how they're really going to be playing on the table, right? So uh, a, a humble and, and, and always valuable, you know, say lower mage, like say a necromancer or something like that, whether, you know, allied or actually in the army, uh, makes this unit offensively devastating on a sheer volume of dice. I mean, think about that. Now you're talking, you're, you're, go, you're, you're actually improving your law of averages. Uh, and then you throw that with, uh, in with uh, the, the, the Van Hells. Holy liquor! Now, I mean, it's, it's like a it's like a blender. Now you got something going. What do you guys think? Oh yeah, they're 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 what I would call more of a shock. They're they're, they're shock troopers. They're they're mm-hmm. they're bread and butter units. Um, another big shock trooper they have is the Deathside Herodians, which you don't see, you know, kind of a lot the, the big summon sides or the big units. Um, and those guys are just as scary because they're hit. They got three attacks versus the two of the of the Reapers. Yeah, and they they can double their damage just by rolling sixes. They have exploding sixes for damage. Yeah. So yeah, and, and I'm not. I mean, uh, go ahead. Well, it's just it, you know they have all the same ethereal, the four plus save, you know everything else. It's just it's it's damage wise they can do a little bit more, but on the same run they're even. You yeah, know, and, you, and but but you're talking you're, you're talking about there. you're referring to the dreadblade dreadblade Harrow, Is that who you said? No, I'm talking about the Herodans. Oh, the Herodans. Okay, okay. I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought you said the Dreadblade Harrows. That's why I was kind of I wasn't really following you there for a second. Sorry. Yeah, no. The, um, dress, the dread the Dreadside Herodans. Okay. They're, okay. So three three attacks that are doing one damage with a rend one, but you roll a six and now they're they're damage two. Right. And, and I'm not really kind of what what I'm doing is I'm not I don't want to take away from that, but I want to say one more thing on the Grim Gas though. And and mm-hmm. you, your your point is is well taken, uh, Justin for sure, but. I want to stick with the Grim Gas here because I think I think they're kind of being set to the side here, and I hope I'm wrong. But the Grim Gas as a unit can also fulfill a lot of excellent functions as well as just you know being being a bunch of killers. Uh, they're extremely versatile with uh, a speedy move of I think eight inches, 
Uh, yes. They can they can do some objective grabbing or serve as a solid flankers, even unsupported. Now, I want to cue on that phrase here, gang, unsupported uh, against a poorly defended side. They can do some real tough damage. And li- likewise, <coughs> pardon me, their 12, uh, they're, they're, I'm sorry, their two-inch reach, rend, uh, and, and, and likely self-provided re-rolling on hits uh, can make them, you know, an absolute blender. I mean, so I, go ahead. So yeah, if the if they're attacking a unit that has five or more models, they get a uh, self reroll to hit. That's it for the entire That's the unit. One. Yep. In addition to that, you can allocate wounds inflicted by the champion uh, for enemy models that are slain um, into mortal wounds uh, by a unit within three inches. So they they do have flexibility on their own without having to commit the character to them. Not that not having a character with them isn't good. But if you have a unit on the flank of 10 to 20, the the enemy has to worry about that. Yeah. That's what you're getting at. Yeah. You know, and and, that, and, and Chuck, uh, that's a great way to kind of sum that okay. unit up. And, you know, as a yeah. – go ahead. I was going to say, not to – I'm not trying to overtalk you, but another point to that go is ahead. this is why they had a points increase in 2020 with the General's Handbook because mm-hmm. from what I had found online, and I have one player here in town that plays, they outperformed elite units as a battle line unit. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which, and I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate here. They are a great unit and they do and can support themselves to a point. The problem with not putting a hero next to them is they lose their death saves. So now you're relying on a four plus armor and have no deathless save. Yeah. But after that unit gets, gets done with you, you got to have something left, you know, to to be able to kill them. And, and I like how that was put that they're a battle line unit. Let's all focus on that for a second. Right. They, They are a battle line unit. And you, like I said, it's just a simple, you put a simple hero there, be it a Banshee or something of that manner that's cheap, yeah. and you maintain that six plus hero or that six plus, you know, of ward save against mortals. Yeah. But that that's the fragility, that's the fragile portion of this army is if you don't have the heroes wholly within 12 of them, they mm-hmm. don't get a death save. Yeah. So now you're relying solely on a unrendable four plus armor. Well, which uh, which is not bad. Don't get me wrong. It, yeah, it's it's I mean, great. It's yeah. great. It's just having that hero there is kind of like having bread and butter. You know, you need to have them together. Yeah, no, I, and I don't, I don't doubt that. But I, I think I'll tell you what. I think a lot of people would love the idea of having an unrendable four plus save without without any other type of uh, you know feel no pain save. I think a lot of people in this. I know I would love that for my ogres, and, and I don't have that. I mean, let's put it this way. I got right. four wounds uh, on my gluttons with a, with a five plus save, and, and they don't they don't last too long against a good amount of units, uh, especially the the uh, uh, you know uh, I would have to say uh, the, the Grimgast. So, but but as a side note, one thing I want to throw out there is, and again I want to throw this out there as an honorable mention, kind of what you you kind of alluded to or, or I mistook you for, uh, Justin, was the Dreadblade Harrows. You know these these are a high finesse unit which can absolutely win games. I, originally, mm-hmm. I thought you were talking about them at first, uh, which is, uh, I think, I think is a staple for a lot of good players playing to the scenario. And I've seen a lot more of the, the Dreadblades lately than I have the Grimgast. Uh, maybe that's just me. Uh, but as I said, I, I don't think, I think it's a matter of opinion. I think it's chocolate and vanilla between the two. I prefer the Grimgast. But uh, with, with this, with the Dreadblade Harrows, um, I think... I don't think you should necessarily, you know, you know, neglect them over one versus the other. But I think the Grimgast edges the the Dreadblade Harrow out just a touch in what they're able to do 
all around pound for pound from a, from a unit point cost to, you know, the, the damage output that they can do. And so I, I think right. in my opinion, I think, I think a major staple in the army are definitely the, the grim gas. Um, oh, and I definitely agree with you. So it, it, again, in a standalone, in a standalone without a hero backup or anything like that, the grim gas, the grim geist reapers are, I would say probably number one top tier, you know, along with some of the other uh, ones that are very close on their tails. But you start putting heroes in there where you run your fun synergies and things of that manner. And I think that's why the Grimgast are getting pushed down a little bit is just because there's better synergies with other models than there is with them. Okay. All right. Personal opinion. And no, that's just and, and that's, and we're, we're an opinion show, man. We're going to be talking about it. So Chuck, what do you think, man? What's a, what's, what's a definitely a unit that you want to make sure that you're building your, uh, your Nighthawk army around? You know, I have the, I got the Grimgast Reapers, you know, written down. I think the higher movement, the higher reach, the self reroll, uh, being able to perform as a, a a flanker or with characters, you know, that they can be centered around just offers them a little bit more flexibility. I know that, you know, the Dreadblades have, what, one more attack, uh, but one inch reach. I mean, so there's, do you want more dice with it? Do you want negative one rend? Do you want to be able to move a little bit faster? Um, potentially self-rerolling without the, you know, spending a command point. It, it's kind of you know, two of one and half a dozen of another. Right. Um, yeah. The, the points are, are sort of equatable to a certain extent. So really maybe it's, it just comes down to what do you want to run? What battalions do you want to focus on? What models do you have? You know what? You, you just, you just made me think of something that is the bane of my gaming existence. Whenever, whenever I think of somebody that says, what, you know, what do you want to run? You know, I, <laughs> My opinion on a unit, any unit, take whatever it is, is a lot of a lot of what happens as far as my opinion is taking a unit's raw potential and then attempting to translate it into real life through play. <laughs> so, yeah. and, and, and that falls into that. And, I, and the first unit in this book that comes to mind with that is the Hex Wraiths. Oh, mm -hmm. uh, the hex wraiths! I mean, oh my goodness! Th this one, this one is hard for me. Uh, it, it, you know, I, I think, I, and I hope I'm not going to be a little controversial here. I mean, my 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 son played an army filled with hex wraiths, um, and again, my opinion on this unit is 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 my own. I'm not trying to throw anything under the bus here. But the hex wraiths is a unit which is entirely fine at a glance, but whose failings uh, come up when when the real game stats take over. And, and yeah. this is where I love the unit, but again, play what you want to play. But then again, it's like you get there and you're like, oh crap, it didn't, it didn't do what I didn't do what my imagination said it was supposed to do. They bounce. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> you know, to, to reach, to reach its potential for its points, a unit needs to be able to use all of its abilities as often as possible. Yeah. And I got to tell you, lost potential is lost efficiency. And, and when you look at requiring an extra six inches of movement to legally measure and place this unit is, is, is much less likely to move over desired units, you know, they're one of the one of their traits of doing mortal wounds, uh, than you might expect. You know, likewise, with their cavalry bases and a one-inch melee weapon makes this unit clumsy to, you know, to really take in any real numbers. Kind of like what I go through right now with my Mornfang. But um, they're 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 largely ineffective also on the other, on the other side of that in minimum sizes. So um, you know when when I think of hex wraiths, I think of an of a unit that I absolutely love. You know even from the point of painting them and putting them on the table, 
but then man do they are they do they really let you down on the table um so i mean so if we offered like games workshop some ideas on this unit um i would just suggest two and make their range equivocable to what grim gas reapers are because they're using a scythe right right and instead of uh passing over an enemy unit on a five or more maybe we can just uh make it on a charge that they come into contact with the unit with on a five or more they just inflict a mortal wound i like that yeah i, I like that I, I like that 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 puts a lot of sense to it and and it kind of a, it kind of a, uh is a little bit of a reprieve on the player's wants right so right right I mean, the black coach kind of suffers that same problem too with its reaches and yeah. the size of the model. Yeah, that's true. Does. Yeah, that's why you and, don't see a lot of them and, out there. And and it's the a revving, great model. Oh, it's a beautiful model. But I know. You got, but you got the you got the revving you got the revving engine on it, and how long it takes to get any kind of you know spiritual power built into it. Yep. And the reaches are so short that it gets chopped down pretty fast before it actually can be effective. Mm-hmm. So and, and it's not a cheap model. I mean, I'm not talking money wise, but points, point wise, points, it's not yeah. cheap. Well, you know, I, I you think know, I think there's like a three hundred point model. I think there's a tax on this whole army, really, and that's the ethereal tax. You know, ethereal makes models a little more expensive because you know you don't need as many of them because you've got a good. When when you when you think about what this army can do, it's ethereal, so you're negating rend. You can bring units back. You can have command traits that'll bring D three more back. Um, right. You know, you've got all these these defensive shenanigans. Um, that yeah, I think I think this army is priced a little bit heavier, but I got to tell you, pound for pound, I don't I don't have much negative to say about the unit pricing for this army, like I do say other armies in the game. I think Night Haunt are fairly reasonably priced, at least palatable, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And, and speaking oh, of that, good. Yeah. I mean, let's let's talk about that. Let, let's now let's start boiling it down into points. I mean, at two thousand points, mm-hmm. to me. Uh, in being around the army, not being a direct player of the army, but being a competitor against it, 2,000 points, this is really the sweet spot, in my opinion, for this army. I, I don't think the army does very well at 1,200 or, or I'm sorry, 1,250 or 1,000 points. Um, you know, you got tons of heroes, tons of ghosts, and, and really at this point value, you should be able to ally with uh, something I think is a really good allegiance as far as bringing in allies, and that's a vampire lord for some extra healing. You know, you got to give the Vampire Lord wings so he doesn't get left behind if, you're, if your force has to, you know, jump a wall or something weird like that. And I think the Deadly Invocation ability is amazing, as it can, you know, dish out a huge amount of healing to your, you know, most critical units. Like like you talked about, whatever, you know, if you got something that's not within 12 inches, Justin, this, this Vampire Lord can help accommodate that. And, um... Right. The Vampire Lord itself, you know, costs only a little more than, say, your, your Knight of Shrouds on, on a steed, and, and has the same command ability, for that matter, I'd like to point out, and, and similar damage output. The, the right. only difference is the lack of Ethereal um, and the lack of, I guess, Deathless Minion save, uh, but it does have a more reliable self-healing mechanic, so it's like, you know, one way or the other, I, I, I think you definitely, at 2,000 points, you, one way or the other, you want to fit a Vampire Lord with wings, inside your army for sure at least at least that's what i would do if i was playing the army for sure it, uh, it's a little rough to get them in there but you, you can i mean well you gotta I, look I, at the, the cost of the heroes in general just for the night haunt are are not super explicitly cheap for what they are i mean 
I think Lady O is pushing 160, 170 by herself. Yeah, you know, you know here's what I, I got to say about Lady O. Generally, at, at, at say, a 2,000-point level, right? You know, yeah. you're going to want to have a big, powerful Death Star, you know, of, of your of your chosen, say, killer unit. Like we talked about, Grim Gas would be my opinion. You know, maybe Blade Geist or, or even Harridans, like you were talking about. Uh, you know, surrounding and, and buffed by your heroes. You know, Spear Torment or maybe a, garden, a Guardian of Souls or, or that Vampire Lord we were talking about. But, you know, you, you put that with, they say, two blocks of 20... Uh, chain rasps to hold the terrain I think you've got something to build to bring that lady or Linder in and 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 once I'm saying this Justin is once you fill out those essentials mm-hmm. you know you're you'll still have a few hundred points to play around with and and maybe you can add that later lady or Linder for your you know serious mortal wound output you know maybe an endless spell and and, and a unit of say I don't know give me something here 12 banshees to you know feed the endless spells so you know, uh, uh, you can boost their attacks, you know, stuff like that. Right, right. I mean, my night hunt list has Lady O in it. It has an Executioner. It has a Banshee. It has a Knight of Shrouds and uh, one other hero. But that's at 2,000 points, and each one of those is essential for a battalion in my list. Yeah, yeah. So, and without those heroes, my stuff doesn't hit worth a crap. Let's just put it that way. Well. Yeah, you know, so... It's a tricky army to general in in play, but once you figure out the, the key interactions, you're you're pretty golden with this army, right? So, well, I think I think that's the whole I think that's the whole kit and caboodle about it, and that's what we're talking about. And you know, folks, I, I hope at this point in the show we've given you enough to to kind of go with as far as you know what the army is now, how to build upon it to make it a little bit better. And you know, gang, I got to tell you. This is a great army, and I think this army can definitely be back to that championship level that that it experienced not too long ago. Um, but you know, coming right up, I, I guys, anything to say before we close out the, uh, the the night haunt here on the show? I think we got them pretty much well covered. At yeah, this point. I think we uh, like tackled just a barrage of uh, battalion abilities, units, uh, a little bit of tactics, and and bonuses. I mean, yep. if you're playing Night Hunt, make sure that you have um, the movement ability to deal with the no shooting, the tarpits to deal with your uh, objective holding, um, and make sure that you focus on capitalizing on what Night Hunt are good at and avoid the fragility and weakness. So save up those command points to uh, mitigate those issues and beat your opponent where you can that's it man that's it and don't forget at the end of the show tonight we got a great monster monday and lady erlinder and coming up we got the question of the day hey gang i really hope you're enjoying the grimdark live show so far thanks for being with us but before we get to the question of the day i want to ask you to head over to grimdarklive.com to enter the nerd bunker by becoming a supporter of the show on patreon There are six different levels to fit the support you may be interested in and all provide special benefits and services to our members. So please head over to GrimdarkLive.com and become a patron of the show. And while you're on GrimdarkLive.com, you should know that Grimdark Live isn't just there for entertainment. We're a full-time miniatures assembly and painting service. We have three different levels that we currently paint to, and we provide free quotes. So let us know if you have something you need painted, and we'll get it done for you. And if Patreon or painting isn't something you're ready to do at this time, we totally understand. And thank you for spending time with us here on Grimdark Live. So with that said, let's get to the question of the day. 
here it is, man. We got the question of the day, and you guys have heard it probably at the top of the show if you guys were watching, but if you're just joining us or, or forgotten what that is, uh, here it is again, and, and we're going to throw this out to my uh, my co-hosts here first. So here's a question of the day coming at you. Justin, I'm throwing you in the barrel first, man. Okay, no problem. Will Soul Blight Gravelords be the end of the Legions of Nagash book? And if so, where does that place Nagash? Uh, yeah, um, Soul Blight, the Soul Lord, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry, Soul Blight Death Lords is right. going to be the final nail in the coffin, no pun intended, or, <laughs> or pun intended if you want to go that way. Sure. To, to get rid of the joint or combination battle tomes. So they've pretty much gotten away from keeping all those battle tomes in one place, and unless the army dictates it or their lord dictates it. And we're now going to see the vampire uprising or something of that matter. We've got great models coming from the Warhammer quest and things that are just all over the place. And I think what it's going to do is relocate Nagash, Nagash simply over to the OCR Bone Reapers. Cause I think he's been updated there. That's where he's been placed. And I think that's where he's going to reside because that's his new baby. So to okay. Speak. All right. I think that's a pretty good answer. I mean, Chuck, I'm going to throw the same question at you. I mean, with soul blight grave Lords, will it be the end of the legions of Nagash book? And if so, where does that place Nagash? I, you know, I think that the the Grave Lords are going to incorporate Nagash, and I'm going to take the opposite side of you, Justin. Not that I have anything against you, but uh, <laughs> you know, I I think from a, a standpoint of large models, Games Workshop wanting to still sell as many as they can, will somehow reliquate Nagash into being some type of lord over some faction, or incorporate him into the new book somehow. Um, but it'll be, you know, the end of the Soul Blight, you know, previous book with the the Hex Race and the Night Haunts, uh, being wrapped up into the Grave Lords with Nagash being some type of semi god or a demigod there as well. Right, right. All right. Well, here's my take on it, and folks, uh, if you're if you're out there, if you want to leave your answer in the uh, or any kind of you know dissertation on the on the question in the uh, the show notes below, uh, that would that would be much appreciated. Uh, but when I when I think about that, you know, will the Soul Blight uh, Grave Grave Lords be the end of Nagash? I, I think so because if you go back in, in in the past and you look at the the friction that's between the vampires and Nagash uh, from the story arc, you know, we're going back, you know, fifth sixth edition, you know, back in rank and flank when Nagash was really before he was like the Lord of the Undead, he was more just that background character, that powerful wizard, that you know, that guy that kept getting ki- killed by the Skaven. If you want to know the truth, and mm-hmm. um, I think I think the story arc is going that way. I think they're going to give the vampires a very strong pedestal to stand on. And I'll be honest with you, if the vampires don't make a break and actually completely break away from Nagash, I think they're going to get so close that the average person doesn't know the difference, if you want to know the truth. I think that's where they're building this up. I think they want to put the vampires on a pedestal. Because I think also, you know, look, through through 2017 and 2018, it was all about Nagash. It was all about Legion of Nagash. It was Death Armies and, you know, I mean, every tournament, you know, winner, every grand major GT was a Nagash. I think the community has kind of run dry a little bit on Nagash. And I think GW understands that. And I think they have to bring about the new bad guy, you know. I mean, let's face it, you know, everybody likes the bad guy, right? And for a long time, Lex Luthor was the greatest thing ever. But, you know, they had to introduce the Joker sooner or later because Lex Luthor was getting a little dry on the community. So I think that's the same thing that's happening here. I think they're going to want the vampires to come in and, and kind of mm-hmm. rejuvenate 
the uh, the, the fans, the players. So I, I think I think I think it's going to be the. I don't think it's. I think it's going to put Nagash in the back, the back burner. Uh, still very powerful in his own right and doing his own thing, but uh, I think the legions of Nagash is definitely bye bye. Yeah, definitely. So that is uh, that's definitely my answer. But uh, but here it is. We are now moving on to the uh, the the. We're, can you believe this? Another great show. We're ending it out, and and here's the closing thoughts. And you know what? You got uh, you got you got me today for the closing thoughts here. So um, I want to put it out like this. You know, uh, gang, this hobby can be challenging. Uh, if it isn't, uh, you know, deciding what army to play, then it's, you know, building that army or maybe painting and basing, you know, it's got you all balled up. Maybe you're not good at that. I know I'm not. You know, I, I hell, I, I've said before, I, I paint like a, you know, blind one-armed drunk that just fell off a tilt-a-whirl. So I, I get it if you guys are in the same, you know, category as myself. But um, you can bet for sure that uh, this, this hobby can be challenging. Maybe some of those challenges are COVID, preventing you, you know, from the ability to get out and game. Or maybe it's the short pants across the table, you know, making the game, you know, pretty horrible. But one thing I want to point out here is that sometimes this game has has an affordability. Maybe it's a little tough to afford this game. It's a very expensive hobby, as, as you know, you all know. Um, and, you know, if you're having trouble in this hobby, don't worry. Old Uncle Grimdark here is, is here to offer you some advice on, on, on how to afford this very expensive hobby. Um, and, and you want to be able to afford it because here's the thing. So, so none of our precious little, you know, gaming pals are left out with only, a, you know, a, a broken and boring checkers game to occupy their time. That'd be terrible. Nobody wants that. So here, here's what I would say on affordability. You know, if you're having money trouble, try robbing the home of, say, a registered sex offender. Their address is easily published and, and you know, they, they can't own firearms. That's your road to this plastic addiction, uh, and, and it'll have you full speed ahead, guys. No problem. What do you think, man? That's closing thoughts. Yeah, just, you know, easily accessible online, and uh, you don't have to worry about being incapacitated by a firearm immediately when you enter the premise. See, Grimdark Live is here to help. All right. Justin, one more thing, real quick, before we before we get on to that uh, that that Lady Orlinder. Uh, yeah, video. I, I had one more point, real quick, to make with the allegiance abilities of the Night Haunt. Uh, something I wish they would change is their Deathless Spirits. I wish they'd bring it on par with the rest of the undead factions, and the units didn't have to have a hero within twenty, wholly within twelve inches of them. They should just have a natural six or up wherever they are. All right, but. That's a wish, and I, you know, maybe one day, but we'll never know. So with think, that, good. <laughs> I think the biggest thing, gang, is is I hope you enjoyed our, our little take on a night haunt uh, because it really is a fantastic army, and I know that it's something that uh, Chuck and Justin and I are are very passionate about, as well as you know many of you. So I uh, hope you hope you liked it, and I hope even more you like this Monster Monday that we filmed a while back, kind of cleaned it up, added some stuff to it on Lady or Linder. Enjoy it, and you know, guys. Uh, have a great night, and 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 thank you for for being with us, and and all the Grimdark goons. And I'd like to thank all of our listeners for another great show. We look forward to having you back next time. We discuss all things related to dice, dragons, demons, and a dwarf from the Warhammer world. So please don't forget to join us next Tuesday at 7:30. And also please don't forget to hit like or subscribe button and follow our podcast. So until then, until we meet again, roll them dice, fun and fair, and don't be a short pants. Bye. Not not everybody. Enjoy the video.
Monster Monday, brought to you by Grimdark Live. This is a series where we talk about different monsters in the Warhammer worlds, their lore, history, and what it would be like to fight them in the game. These videos are based on your suggestions that you leave in the comment section down below. So if you'd like to have me cover and talk about a monster in the Warhammer worlds, just let me know in the comments of this video. Now, let us begin. It is now time for Monster Monday. Today's monster is Lady Olinder. As October is the traditional holiday month for Halloween, Monster Monday shall be covering the more traditional monsters to celebrate the holiday of Halloween. And you will notice that this video takes a slight departure from the monsters or behemoth keyword for this review. But in the case of Lady Orlinder and Halloween, it is both fitting and allowable. Just this once. She is the Morning Bride, the Unrequited Queen, the Veiled Lady, and the Mortark of Grief. She is despair made manifest, gloom given form. She is Lady Orlinder, and in her are bound all the sorrows and anguishes of the realms. Lady Orlinder, who feigned sorrow in life, now in death, she forever feels all the woes of the mortal realms, becoming a weaponization of grief itself. Her power transcends the melodic, for she exudes mind-crippling waves of purest desolation. Mortals in her presence are overwhelmed by gloom so heavy that only the strongest willed can remain upright. Most fall to their knees, mentally battered by their own utter hopelessness. It is a sorrow and regret potent enough to cause a mother to forsake her child a warrior to lay down his sword and accept the inevitable, or to even stop a beating heart. Lady Orlinder hovers above the ground, attended by her bridesmaids, a pair of banshee handmaidens. As she advances, the thorny vines of grave roses suddenly sprout before her, their flowers rapidly blooming and dying in order to lay a path of fallen petals beneath her floating form. In her hands, the Veiled Lady wields the Staff of Midnight, an ornate stave topped with a polished gemstone of vetrified gravesand. The lightest touch of the staff is enough to wither a mighty oak or kill a grown man outright. Yet, it is not Lady Orlinder's deadliest weapon. In addition to being surrounded by an aura of absolute misery, Lady Orlinder is also a powerful sorceress. With her incantations, she can direct a pall of despair to weigh upon her foes, slowing them like some unholy lodestone. Those affected suffer a mental burden so dire it causes even the bravest to tremble. Their martial prowess lessened by leaden limbs and despondency beyond any hope of redemption. In the midst of this bleak atmosphere, 
she has created. Olinda presses forward, her banshee bridesmaids shrieking a wail of damned wile, slashing with their spectral talons at foes who draw close. One bridesmaid bears an ensorcelled grave sand hourglass, a gift from Nagash, that can be smashed asunder with lethal effect. Yet Lady Orlinda has another, even deadlier weapon. From behind her thin shroud, the sunken eyes of the Mortark of Grief fixate upon a foe. Deliberately she pivots to face them, before slowly and solemnly lifting her veil. What horrors they see are unknown, for none have yet lived to tell the tale. So does Lady Orlinda conquer, leading the force of Nagash's invasion in order to bring a new age of eternal death over the mortal realms. In life, she had been Lady Orlinda, a beauty famed throughout the empire of Delorum, the largest of the civilizations from the lands known since the age of chaos as a screaming waste. She had schemed, plotted, and used charm to climb socially, leaving behind a trail of ruined suitors and deaths under mysterious circumstances. So great was her appeal that she wound her way upwards, winning the hearts of nobles and then eventually the Delorum Prince himself. Her betrothal to the future king ended the very night when the prince and his father, the High King, disappeared. In their absence, she became ruler of Delorum. Vowing to mourn her missing prince and king, the young queen took to wearing a veil. Her people called her the Mourning Bride, or the Unrequited Queen, and her public display of grief won over even the coldest of hearts. Yet it was all a lie. Her shows of remorse were false. Her sorrows, no more than a ruse, hidden behind her veil and deceitful sobs. She could not help but smile at her own cleverness. Elsewhere in the realms, the travails of the Age of Chaos had begun turning the civilization into ruin, although Delorum had thus far been spared. That came to an end when the plague arrived. Soon the Queen's sorrows were for her realm, but again, all her tears were false. She was safe in her palace, and her life a dream, even as all those around her died in the agonized throes of the weeping pox. Through it all, Nagash had watched the empire of Delorum, for its people had always honored him. Their dedications had ended in the crowning of a new queen. Even when their lands, cities, and throne room were all but empty of life, Lady Orlinda felt no real grief, and she attempted to parley with the agents of Nurgle. It was then that Nagash claimed her soul as his own. So did Orlinda become the Veiled Lady, a specter burdened to feel all the miseries of the mortal realm and forced to haunt the ruins of Delorum. After the passing of many centuries, during which Nagash gave not a single thought to her fate, the god was surprised at what he found when he discovered her once more. The Veiled Lady had again risen to rule over Delorum, 
although it had become a land swarming with wraiths and specters. During the upheavals of the Necroquake, Orlinder had subjugated the phantasmal denizens that arose there, drawing them closer with her, spreading aura of grief. So haunted were the lands that any living being that dared enter them experienced true terror. Yet rule of one underworld could not satisfy her ambition. The Veiled Lady longed to bring more nations, living and dead alike, beneath her dominion. Here at last was the leader that Nagash was looking for, and so, in dark ritual, the great necromancer granted Lady Orlinder a sliver of his own divinity. He knighted her the Mortark of Grief, and tasked his new lieutenant, first with uniting the night haunts, and then leading them as the vanguard of his new crusade. Apart from the tabletop, in a real-life tale of a weeping bride, let me briefly tell you the tale of the haunting story of Julia Bucola Petta. In Hillside, Illinois, just outside Chicago, is Mount Carmel Cemetery. In addition to being the final resting place of Al Capone, Deanna Banyan, and other notorious mobsters of the Chicagoland era, the cemetery is also the burial place of a woman named Julia Bucola Petta. While her name may not spring to mind as part of Chicago history, for those intrigued by the supernatural, she is better known as the Italian Bride, or the more fitting name of La Sposa Piangente, the Weeping Bride. Julia's grave is marked today by a life-size statue of the unfortunate woman in her wedding dress, a stone reproduction of the wedding photo that is mounted to the front of her monument. While a beautiful monument, there is nothing about it to suggest that anything weird had ever occurred in connection to it. However, once you know the story behind the site, it's soon realized that it is one of the weirdest tales in Chicago's annals of the unknown. Julia was married in June of 1920. The weeping bride, Julia, became pregnant soon after the wedding, but complications occurred, and on March 17, 1921, Julia died while giving birth to her son. Because of the Italian tradition that dying in childbirth made the woman a type of martyr, Julia was buried in white, the martyr's color. Her wedding dress also served as her burial gown, and with her dead infant tucked into her arms, the two were laid to rest in a single coffin at Mount Carmel Cemetery. Julia's mother was inconsolable over her daughter's death. Shortly after Julia was buried, her mother began to experience strange and terrifying dreams every night. In these nightmares, she envisioned Julia, weeping in her white wedding dress, telling her that she was still alive and needed help. For the next six years, the dreams plagued the woman, and she began trying, without success, to have her daughter's grave opened and her body exhumed. She was unable to explain why she needed to do this. She only knew that she should. Finally, through sheer persistence, 
Her request was granted, and the sympathetic judge passed down an order for Julia's exhumation. Six years after Julia's death, the casket was removed from the grave. When it was opened, Julia's body was found not to have been decayed at all. In fact, it was said that her flesh was still as soft as it had been when she was alive. Even after six years, the rotted and decayed appearance of the coffin in the photo, however, bears witness to the fact that it had been underground for some time. Julia appears to be merely sleeping. And that's not the end of this odd story. Reports have been told over the years of a ghostly woman in white who has been seen wandering the edge of the cemetery where she rests. Stories claim to have seen her in the daytime and at night, and many who know the story of Julia Petta believe that this is her restless spirit. The binding part of all these stories and of all these sightings is that the witnesses can hear a faint weeping and sobbing sound of a woman when the apparition appears. One eerie tale was told involved a young boy who was accidentally left behind at the cemetery, not far from Julia's grave. When the boy's parents returned to Mount Carmel to look for him, they saw him holding the hand of a dark-haired young lady in a white dress. When the boy ran towards his parents, the woman in the white dress disappeared. The boy was repeating the phrase, La Sposa Piangente, the weeping bride. The boy nor his parents spoke or knew the Italian language, yet he would repeatedly utter the phrase, La Sposa Piangente, La Sposa Piangente, La Sposa Piangente, the weeping bride. Back on the tabletop, Lady Orlinder is armed with the Staff of Midnight. She is accompanied by two Banshee handmaidens who are armed with spectral claws. Lady Orlinder is a wizard. She can attempt to cast two different spells in each of your hero phase and attempt to unbind two spells in each enemy hero phase. If you are a Night Haunt player or a Death Allied player and wish to have Lady Orlinder on the tabletop, you can order her from Games Workshop Web Store, GW Store, or Participating Retailer. The multi-part plastic kit contains the components necessary to assemble Lady Orlinder, Mortarg of Grief. This model comes as 23 components and is supplied with a Citadel 60mm round base. La Sposa Piangente Thank you for spending this evening with me on Monster Monday. I hope you enjoyed watching this video. If you did enjoy this, please make sure you give this video a like or a thumbs up down below. And please leave a comment and share it with your friends. All this helps this channel and lets me know that I'm doing a good job. And in turn, please promote us to other viewers. So thank you again, and we'll see you next Monday 
for another Monster Monday. From Dark Live, we'd like to thank you for slumming it through another show with us for all things dice, dragons, demons, and a dwarf in the Warhammer worlds. We'll be back again real soon, so until then, roll them dice fun and fair, and don't be a frickin' short pants. You can get your Grimdark Live fix on on our live show or catch us on our Grimdark Live podcast. Never fear, gang. There'll be more great content from Grimdark Live coming to you each and every week. So stay tuned and stay grim while you dice-chucking, blue-sniffing gamer goons. You're all awesome. Looks like I picked the wrong week to stop sniffing blue. Remember to embrace the main message here on Grimdark Live, and that's a social contract we have between gamers and the commitment we have to each other in this community. We're only as good as our last game. Check us out at GrimdarkLive.com, and don't forget to subscribe, follow, and recommend Grimdark Live to your friends. So long, Grimdark Goons. Until next time, may the dice gods bless you and your sweaty palms. Bye. Hey, who are you calling a short pants? <laughs>